The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another super duper 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 exciting episode. I'm so excited to have Jill Schneider here with us today. Jill is a massage therapist. Um, she does acupressure. She's a medium, which we'll explain in a little bit. Um, I actually was fortunate enough to um, experience her medium techniques or whatever you want to call it. We'll get into that in a minute. And uh, most importantly, she had healed herself of cancer back in the early 70s before people were doing this stuff naturally. Jill, thanks for being on. Oh, you're so welcome, Tim. Uh, yeah. This is so much fun. You know, I just love technology myself. And <clears throat> I'm really happy to be here and answer your questions and just really show people that life is, is a blessing. Yes, it really is. It really is. And um, for those of you listening in today, um, I wish you could take a and, and just see Jill because she's she'll be 75 in August. That's correct, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you look absolutely fantastic i mean nobody would guess that at all so um those of you listening on, or watching on youtube you can see it and you have a beautiful um blouse on too where'd you get that well this is uh from the Wisholi indians uh, mm-hmm. or Wishol indians of uh, mexico in the jalisco area where i used to teach and spend a lot of time at a beautiful spa uh near guadalajara mexico sounds good fantastico yeah. Okay. So what I want to do first, Jill, is let's get into your backstory because it's quite remarkable. Um, I hold people like you. We just interviewed Dr. Brian Clement. He's 70 years old and he looks fantastic. And he was like 300 pounds. And I know you know him. I do. And uh, they run the Hippocrates Health Institute in Florida where we started, where I started my journey with my buddy Charles. But anyway, um, here you are, you're approaching 75. You look fantastic, but at what age, uh, like what was your life growing up? And then all of a sudden, what were you eating? What were you living on? What was your diet lifestyle like? And then what happened and you got cancer and then what'd you do? Well, <clears throat> let's see. You know, I, I, I was born in 1945. Uh, I remember growing up and actually eating food out of cans. And that was kind of like in to have like peas and, and, and corn out of a can. That was after World War II. And it was sort of a status thing, you know? We lived in the suburbs. Um, so it just was, you know, I made it. I made it even eating out of cans. <laughs> Chef Boyardee SpaghettiOs and things like that. And uh, I'm amazed, uh, even grilled cheese sandwiches, uh, white toast, white bread, butter, cheese, mm-hmm. you know, lots of meat, uh, chicken. Um, you know, hamburgers, uh, Duncan Hines uh, cakes that I would love to bake and mix everything together. And it was just white flour, white sugar. It was disgusting. 
<laughs> and then you would put a, a, you know, a frosting on it. Who knows what the hell was in that? Um, I made it until I was in my 20s, my early 20s. I was a school teacher and I started to kind of get sick from, you know, the germs that the kids were carrying around. And they were little, they were kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And we were allowed to hug them in those days and get very close with their runny noses and this and that. So of course, you know, I ended up getting colds and some flus and things like that. And I went to the doctor and I said, you know, he wanted, he just kept giving me antibiotics. And after a while, I, I, I thought, you know, here's this guy who's like, short, fat, pimply, and I'm asking him what I need to do to feel better. <laughs> and that was the end of it. And then I picked up an Adele Davis book. She was very famous back in the, I guess was early seventies. And I learned about the fact that I could eat healthier things and then I might have a stronger immune system if I would do that. So I went ahead and did that. And um, <clears throat> I even smoked cigarettes in those days and I drank diet soda when I was in college. My breakfast was a Reese's peanut and butter cup and, and, a, and a tab, which was a diet soda. I remember those things. Oh my God. I mean, I, I don't know how I survived. I really, really don't. But all right, so then come into my 20s. I lived in New York. Uh, I commuted every day actually out to the suburbs to be a teacher. I just, you know, I wasn't eating well at all, really. You know, I, I definitely, I did stop eating luncheon meat and chicken uh, and turkey and even brisket that my mother would cook once in a while. I did cut out meat, I think when I was about 25, 26. So when did you get cancer? 29. Okay. Now I had in, when I was about 26 and a half or 27, I traveled to India mm. and you know, I, we didn't have phones. We didn't have bottled water, you know? Um, I did get dysentery. There was no doubt. And I'm really sorry that I didn't take Western medicine at that time. I should have. But I was already very, you know, questioning, you know, what would be in that. But I would have felt better. I was traveling third class trains. Um, it was very rough, very, very rough traveling. And um, finally, when I got to an ashram where I stayed for a while, I was able to calm down my system and take some herbs. They had a little apothecary type of place with beautiful herbal remedies. I had no idea what they were, but I just took whatever I needed to take and I needed rest. You know, people get sick and I, I have a, an, an acronym, D-E-M, physical diseases. Physical diseases come from dehydration, exhaustion, and malnutrition. So if you can correct DEM, you're on your way to having a better immune system, to feeling better, to not getting the crazy diseases that everybody gets. And there's really just one disease. 
and that's dis-ease, okay? You're not in touch with your body, so that's another reason why you're addicted to the foods that you see when you pass by. And all right, so I did the India trip, I came back, and that's when they found the cancer, uh, a couple of years later. A pap test, normal pap test, I mean, it wasn't normal, it was like a number five in 1975, that was considered conclusively malignant. Mm -hmm. And they took another test just to make sure that the first test was, was okay, you know, was right, and it came out, again, very significant test score that showed malignant cervical cancer. So and they, well, they basically said, you got to go in the hospital next week. We got to operate, probably a hysterectomy. I was 29 years old. I had never had a child. You know, timing is everything, Tim. I just happened to be taking a class. There was a bank building that had a sign the Theory of Chinese Medicine, Dr. Ralph Allendale, six-week class. I have no idea what it cost. This was 1975, and I went to that class. And I'd gone to like a couple of weeks of the class learning about the whole Chinese theory of meridian energy in the body, how all the different meridians and pathways reflect and are uh, representing different organs in the body. So it's not like Western medicine has, you know, sort of, I forget the word, decompartmentalized. They have compent, say that word again, decompartmentalized. Well, the opposite of that is that they put everything, you know, if, you, if you're sick, you, you know, if a woman has <clears throat> female issues, she goes to a gynecologist. Uh, and, you know, and then there's a urologist and then the kidney doctor and the heart doctor and this doctor and that doctor. And really, in the Chinese way of looking at health and wealth, well-being, it's all connected. Mm -hmm. So that's why acupuncture, it, it's subtle. You know, there's a subtle energy that's, that's pulsing through our body. Um, and they're able to take your wrist and just do a little, you know, pulse thing, but they're feeling like six or seven different pulses in each wrist, and they correspond to certain meridians, and they can see if one is either uh, not flowing strong enough or flowing too strong. And so then they decide what they're going to do with the needles, putting the needles in, which are very, very thin, and it's really not painful. If you can just relax and breathe, acupuncture is, is an incredible science, an ancient science. Okay, so I end up finding out, after I had been studying for a little while of the, the theory of Chinese medicine, um, that I had cervical cancer. And uh, it was just uh, the, the, the night of the day that I actually got the test results and they told me I had to be in the hospital, I was scheduled to perform. I'm a guitar player. I write original songs and I sing songs of the heart. And I was scheduled to be on a radio station that night. And my partner who backs me up, uh, he picked me up. He said, you know, how are you doing? I said, well, I just found out that I have cancer. <laughs> I did laugh at the moment, but I was not 
freaked out. Why? Why wasn't I freaked out? It didn't make sense to be freaked out. Number one, I just felt like, you know, this is uh, an adventure to go on. As much as I love myself, and I do, I'm going to find out everything uh, about the situation. But the viewpoint of Western medicine at that point did not sit well with me because I knew that there's a whole connection with the whole body. I'm a whole person and I need to figure out what kind of stress is creating this um, imbalance in those parts of my body. So I sang great that night. I prayed like hell while I was sitting in the green room before I went on. And of course, my prayer to God was, <clears throat> I don't want to sound bad, God, so you got to take away my fear. <laughs> you know, there was some fear, understandably. And I said, okay, no more fear. I'm done. You know, I'm going to just put my life in God's hands anyway. What else can you do? You know? You can do all the research. We didn't have computers back then, okay? It was no like, you know, somebody today gets a diagnosis and they're just like, you know, merging with the computer for like months and months if, they're, if they have that interest to know a little bit more. But I just um, understood that in Chinese medicine, when you have something wrong in your body, it's because the energy isn't flowing the way it should be. And there's emotions that are connected with the reason that you have this imbalance in your body. So then I asked the teacher who was teaching the class um, if he could recommend, you know, if we could meet for coffee or something and, and he can give me some ideas of what I could do. And he did. And he said, number one is get in touch with Michio Kushi. Now, Michio Kushi, they were... Uh, he and his wife, they had come from Japan. They were part of the macrobiotic world in those days. And that sounded good to me. He said, go on a brown rice, straight diet for 10 days. He said, that will actually purify your blood. You know, I know how to cook brown rice. Right. Yeah. Easy. Okay. And at the time, I was, you know, living by myself in a little studio apartment in Miami. And I would sit on my little sleepy bag. And I had my chopsticks in a little bowl. And I had quit my job. That is number one. I quit a very stressful job. I was working with the pe people who were mentally ill. And it was a halfway house. And I was the activity director. And people were smoking around me and people were on Thorazine, that was a stressful job, okay? That was and, definitely a contributing factor to your cancer, and there's no question in my mind about that. Okay, that was it. It was stressful, I was finished. You put yourself first. You put self first. Oh my God, what else would I do? Yeah. yeah, that's the first thing to do, is put yourself first and realize, and, and understand that your life is more important than your job. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that. I went on the 10 days of the brown rice diet. Then I met with the acupuncturist that he recommended. Um, this was really out of a movie. That's how it felt. 
the guy was the little Chinese man with the long, skinny, string, little, little stringy <laughs> beard. And he answered the door. I think he was in his pajamas. It was a very relaxed situation. And I just looked at him and he looked at me. He says, no problem, I fix. Later on, I found out that he didn't speak much English. That was about it. <laughs> That's all he needed. That's all he needed. That's all I needed. He, he didn't just, have any charts or... No, he looked at me. He looked at me and he knew everything about me in that moment. He hadn't even done the wrist thing. He hadn't even looked in my eyes or looked at my tongue. Nothing. He just knew. So he was probably maybe in his 50s at that point. And he had, he had been in New York. And of course, he, he wound up working in a hospital when he came over from China, not as an acupuncturist, as a custodian, and he meets doctors there and he starts talking to them about acupuncture and they just bring their, their wives to him, okay, who have complaints and he fixes these people and then he ends up in Miami working supposedly under the auspices of a medical doctor. I never saw a medical doctor in that little office that he had in Coral Gables, no way. I, I don't know, you know. The, That's freaking hilarious. Like the janitors healing, the custodians healing people at the hospital. The doctors yeah, are yeah, really yeah, wide. Yeah, they, yeah. they can't help them. So, so I trusted him with my life. And he would take me into the back room and he would have a little soup cooking and he would show me, he would give me a little soup and he'd, he'd roll up some herbs, little sticky things, and he'd roll them up and he'd say, here, take that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think about people today thinking, oh, my God, it came from China. Oh, my God, you could, get, you could die from it. Well, you know, I trusted the whole movie that I was watching. Yeah. Because I'm like in the center and here's the movie that's going on around me. I just trust in that center so deeply that whatever was going on around me was meant to be. <clears throat> I took eight sessions with him, two a week. And he recommended, at, you know, after I finished the, um, the brown rice thing, he recommended that I eat some sweet potatoes and some vegetables and a little bit of beans and, you know, similar to the macrobiotic food, which I did. And um, I would clean up his office and he charged me $5 a visit. <laughs> That's a pretty good deal. And I just said, okay, you know, hold on. Can I hold on one second and turn off my phone or what? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. No problem. So guys, this is a, like a really uh, cool story. I, I've, I've ran into so many people that have similar stories to Jill where they, they run into um, the, these healers. These healers are all over the place and they're always in these little like back offices or they do it out of their home. They come to your home. There's just lots of healers out there and there's different modalities. Um, just listening to you, I'm on the brown rice diet. In my mind, I'm thinking, well, I wouldn't do brown rice. I'd probably do all quinoa. And I'm thinking like the reason why that worked was because it gets you off of the standard American diet. It makes it simple. So you went yeah, to one food monolithically and just cleaned everything up, right? Yeah, I wasn't really on the actual American. I was, I was on a bad vegetarian diet. Yeah, that's how my buddy Charles was too. He, had, he was a vegetarian. That's why we couldn't believe he got cancer. But he was like, 
it, you can be a veget you can be a vegan and be unhealthy. Mm -hmm. You go, you go to McDonald's and eat there and be a vegan or a vegetarian, but it, that food's not going to serve your body at all. Right. So anyway, so you, you're dealing with this um, old, awesome Chinese dude, the healer, the custodian that's healing the doctor's wives. And then, so what happened after that, after eight days? That, so then after eight sessions, a month had gone by. Um, and I also got a lot of my friends uh, turned on to this guy. So, you know, I kept him busy. And um, I paid $5 a visit <clears throat> in those days, 1975. So then I went back to another gynecologist to get an examination. It had been a number five on a pap test. In those days, number one was normal. So the second, this was actually the third test because the first two were done close. And then a month later, I went and got, you know, after I had the herbs and the brown rice and all that kind of stuff. And the good attitude. And a good attitude. And it turns out that it had gone down to a three. From a five to a three. That's not so too that, bad. Yeah, that made me feel good. And, and then I decided, okay, I, my lease was up on my little, my little condo. It was a little uh, studio apartment. And um, I wanted to go to South America because uh, a man who I've been following for many, many years was giving a talk in Caracas. And my friend, I, have a, I had a really good friend and he's, he wanted to come too and he speaks Spanish and everything. So we went to Caracas and listened to the teacher for a weekend. And then after that, I had another friend who wanted to go into the jungle for a while. So um, we went into a jungle south of Caracas, southeast of Caracas, and it was a really incredible experience. We, we heard a jaguar while we were just, you know, we were sleeping in this mm -hmm. area that where there was water and there was some guava and we had brought some food with us so that we could cook and whatever. And uh, that was an amazing experience to be in a, you know, a real jungle. <laughs> right, right, right. And then that was like for about a week and a half or so. And then we, then I met back up with my friend Mark and we decided to travel around. And we met these people in a, a beautiful city, a town called Colonia Tavar. And we met this family. They literally took us in. We met them because they had a beautiful shop in the town, pottery and different artistic artisan items. And, and she was an American. He was a Venezuelan. And they had a, a gorgeous house. They took us in. And every night that we were there, which was for a week or two, we would soak our feet in chamomile flowers. Hmm. Okay, boil, you know, we boil the water, get it really, really, in fact, we used a baby tub, one of those baby tubs, and the, all of us would sit around in chairs with our feet in this baby tub that was, uh, th this was herbal, basically an herbal uh, treatment. Uh, there was a very- How long did you boil it? Sorry to interrupt, but how long did you boil it? Well, I'm sure we boiled it. We poured it over the fresh chamomile flowers and just let it sit until it cooled down oh. a little bit. Oh, so you put a bunch of flowers in the pot yeah. and, the yeah. tub and pour the hot water on top of it until it cooled down enough that you put yeah. your feet. 
And this, this, was, this information came out of a book by a man who was the herbalist to Winston Churchill and many, many other people. Mezingue was, was his name, a French herbalist. And it was all about foot baths, the whole thing. So that whole month, we did foot baths every night and we were in the, in the countryside. And so we walked and it was beautiful and we we're in nature. And then after that, we decided that we were going to Peru. So we had to go back to fly into Peru. Did those people know that you had cancer or did you didn't bring it up? Yeah, they did. They did. Okay. She was a yoga teacher and um, he, was in, he was in a family business and, uh, just, and they had a little baby. So, I mean, I just, you know, fit right into whatever situation I'm in. And I actually have an old picture that was taken when a few of us were sitting around with our feet in the, in the hot oh, that's water. Cool. Yeah, I still have that. That, that could possibly go in my ebook. So I'm writing a book about my life and I'm calling it Autobiography of a Revolutionary Healer. And it is all about this whole journey that I took I knew I was not going into the hospital. I was not going to have a hysterectomy. I was not going to be, um, you know, have any parts taken out of my body whatsoever. I don't know why I was so adamant about it, but you know what? If you really want to heal yourself, you've got to be adamant about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So hey, Jill, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll finish your Peru story, and then I've got some other quick cool questions for you. So guys, we'll be right back in just a moment. How you doing? This is Pat Militaire, former UFC champion and UFC Hall of Famer. My life is hectic. I did a show, finished at midnight in Minnesota, drove four hours north to Fargo, North Dakota this weekend. Three hours later, ran a marathon, taught a seminar that afternoon. Got up the next day, ran a little bit more to loosen my legs up, taught another seminar, and then drove home last night for eight and a half hours. Got back home at, at two something in the morning. This stuff is what's saving me right now, and it's keeping me going. So imagine what it can do for you, just a nine to fiver. To get this product and our other amazing products, go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. All right, Health Heroes, Tim James here. We're back with Jill Snyder, massage therapist, acupressure, and medium. Man, and you're also a, revolution, a revolutionary healer. In fact, that's what your book coming out is going to be called, Autobiography of a Revolutionary Healer. So you were talking about foot baths, and now you're heading to Peru. Let's keep going with the story here. Well, the Peru was interesting at first. Um, first of all, it was at a time when uh, my friend Mark, he knew about Machu Picchu, but very few people knew about the um, Aztecs and uh, what they had built. Uh, and getting there was very interesting. I mean, we had no money, so we were hitchhiking. And if we weren't hitchhiking, then we were taking chicken buses. And that's the way we traveled back then. It was just, you know, and there was, I never had any fear that anyone was gonna hurt me. So, and then we would stay in, in a little, um, uh, what were they calling, you know, just a little house, you know, oh, someone's house. 
Hostels? What they didn't they didn't have hostels back then. It was pensions oh. or something like that. And we would just stay in these uh, in these homes. Somebody had a bedroom. They would tell the kids, "Get out of your bed." We got guests. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, I slept in my sleeping bag. So you know, because I never quite knew, you know, if sheets had been washed or anything like that. It was it was very 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 uh, very humbling experience for sure, especially for a Jewish woman from New York, grew up in the suburbs, and uh, my parents were golfers, and we belonged to a country club. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> that said, um, I just. Uh, I guess I, I have this passion to learn and learning about people of the earth, especially. So while we were traveling in Peru, we would go into markets. You know, I, I did have to replenish my brown rice in a health food store in uh, Lima and everything else, and maybe some seaweed, yeah. And everything else I was able to get in the regular market. And I think in those days, uh, it was not genetically engineered at that point. This was 1975. Oh, yeah. I, re I really don't feel, I, I feel like what I was getting in the market was pretty organic stuff. And then there was always a little um, booth in those markets and you would, there was a shaman and they were the herbalists. And you would tell them exactly what was going on and they would make little bags of herbs to make tea. So. And then I carried in my backpack a small little um, ceramic, not ceramic, yeah, maybe it was a, cera a ceramic pot with a top. And it was just enough to cook um, rice and I would put vegetables in there and, um, and seaweed and sesame seeds. I could get the sesame seeds wherever I went. And, uh, and then, hold on. <clears throat> And then I would, um, I would just use one burner. I would ask the, the people who owned the little place where we were staying, you know, can I just use one burner? And they, they were very nice. And so I lived on, you know, really good food and I walked every day. And then when we got to, into Peru, we were starting to hike. We went to Cusco. Um, Cusco's about, uh, it's high, it's elevated. I remember I didn't feel so great in Cusco for a day or so, but you know, I was young. I had the same experience. I, we did a four day hike up to Machu Picchu and I don't know what it was. Maybe I got a bug or something. Um, but it's altitude. It's really yeah, altitude. I was the altitude, but I didn't, I didn't like that. Uh, what's that tea, that leaf? Coca, coca leaf tea. Yeah, the coca leaf tea. I, I didn't. Yeah. I think the tea, I, I drank that tea the night before and it kind of made me feel weird. So I just stayed away from it. Yeah, you thought it was like the derivative of cocaine. I don't know what happened, but Cusco's <laughs> beautiful. The people were beautiful. I was getting coconuts there. You no, know, it's, it's it, when, you, when you're flying in, you know, to that kind of altitude and you're not co coming from that quite, it's like 11,000 feet, Cusco. Yeah. And then Machu Picchu is a little bit lower. Um, and in those days, there were no hotels. So we had to stay in what was called flop houses, where the workers stayed at the bottom of Machu Picchu. And, but they had a hot spring there. And that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. you could really see the stars in the sky. You oh know, my God, yeah, it's awesome. Time that I ever saw that. And there were no tourists. It was just me and Mark and the workers and the people who were up at the, you know, on the mountain on Machu Picchu were most of the archeologists 
and nobody really, you know, no tourists knew about it back then in 75. So wow. We, it's pretty know, impressive, isn't it? I mean, it's ridiculous. I know. And like we, had, had we had tents like right on the side of the hill and we wake up in the morning and then you see the fog and the sun <clears> coming up and just freaking gorgeous on the side of a mountain camping. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's magnificent. And we know that um, whoever built it, okay, whoever built that place, I would say is possibly not from this planet. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I had a friend that um, I was in the stone business. I used to import stones. I actually got some really good travertines, uh, which is calcium carbonate from um, Peru. And um, we were down there and he, he was a stone mason and a floor. He owned a company where they put tile floorings in and stuff. So he and he's used to putting, you know, and cutting stone and mitering joints and doing all that stuff with stone and building thick you know, countertops and walls and multi-million dollar homes up in Seattle. And he called me up and he goes, dude, he's like, same thing you, he said, there's no way, man, a human being made this shit. I mean, right. he said, he goes, he was sitting there inspecting the joints. He said that these stones were massive. And he said that the, 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 the cuts were so perfect. It was like, it was done by a laser and the way the, the things were fit together. He, he was just, he couldn't, he, and this guy was like from Croatia he threw F-bombs every other word. He really didn't care about really anything. But he went on and on and on and on because that was his craft. He was working with heavy stone. And these stones were freaking 10 to 1,000 times, million times heavier than what he was working with. And he was just like completely blown away. And then when I went up and saw it, I was looking at it. I was like, yeah, he's right. Like this place is ridiculous. You couldn't even take a really sharp knife and put it in between those no, no. And it, you know what's also amazing is that the trail that we walked on for four days, I only stepped on about maybe six or seven loose stones, and it's been there thousands of years. Yeah. <laughs> Solid. I mean, it was built, right? It's crazy. So anyway, keep going. You're in Peru. You're healing yourself in Peru. again. And I'm, you know, I'm feeling really, really good. And then I, I had some friends in other parts of Peru and uh, checked in with them, and a period of about five months goes by. And then the people in Venezuela had invited me to be a part of an entourage. There, there was a very, very famous teacher from India called Swami Sachidananda. And Swami Sachidananda was- that five times fast. Yeah. Was the, uh, he was the guru who opened up Woodstock. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So he was very famous and, and he had, he had, uh, he was the one who created like some of the first yoga schools in the United States. Okay, cool. Integral yoga. So anyway, because I also sing um, spiritual songs and one of the songs that I knew I had learned in India and it's in Hindi. So this, this woman and her husband invited me to be a part of the entourage when Swami Satchitananda came to their area in Venezuela in 1975. So I had three days to follow this man around and see how he lived because he, he was 65 at the time and he looked no older than 35. And I thought, oh, this, this guy's got something going on. You know, I mean, he's just, and I watched what he ate. Okay, he, he, he kept his cooked foods and vegetarian cooked foods separate from his raw foods and i i pretty much do that you know? okay cool and then one day we had an opportunity he and i swamiji 
and I were in a hot mud hot spring and we took the mud and we put the mud all over our bodies, okay? And I did on him and he did it on me and we were just giggling. We were like little children giggling and giggling and it was so much fun because he was just so sweet. That night, then we left, okay? And we were finished with the tour. We went back to my friend's home uh, where we were doing the chamomile tea foot baths and I broke out in a rash. I had a healing crisis, not only a rash, but a fever. And my friend Mark, he wrapped up my feet with garlic. Um, finally, I did get to sleep. I woke up the next morning. I said, I'm, I'm ready to go home. And it was about almost six months that I'd been gone. And I felt like it's time, time for me to go home, time, time for me to get an exam to see you know, where I'm at. And I did go home, I went right to the doctor the second doctor, and it was normal. The pap test was normal, I was fine. And I never really thought about it too much while I was traveling. So the moral of the story is, is when you get a cancer diagnosis, quit your job and travel on for pennies and follow healers all over the world and just heal yourself with different well, herbs. You know, I mean, in those days, there were actually were books that were called $5 a day. Yeah. You know, and, but that's how much it cost. It was $5 a day is what I spent on myself. Now, if I had, you can't be sick in the United States. You can't, you can't rest. You have to have a house, a car and, and insurance, and you have to have a job and you have to have clothes and you have to do all these things. Mortgage payments and alimony payments. All these things that create stress. You can really, honestly, I, I have said to some people, sell your goddamn jewelry and get out of Dodge. Yeah. Take a year off. Yeah, there was a young woman over at Hippocrates when I was there. She was 21, just, just this really healthy looking, beautiful black lady, 21 years old, looked great. And I got to talking to her and she was there before. Well, actually she might've been a couple years older then, but when she was 21, I think she got breast cancer. And she was from over in the UK, England somewhere. Mm -hmm. And they knew about the Institute, about the detox and nutrition. Her mom literally sold her couch and sold a bunch of stuff just to get the plane flight and the tickets and the, the, you know, the money for the, the visit there to stay there. And she healed, she healed herself. And I remember walking to the workout gym with my buddy Charles and I looked over and she was on a bike and she looked like the healthiest person on the planet. And here just a couple years ago, they were telling her that she was going to die of breast cancer and she was like, just, just starting out in her life, you know, as an adult. And that was like such a moment. I said, I said, Charles, you see that girl over there? I'm like, dude, that's going to be you in a couple of years. You're going to be riding your bike and sure shit. He was, you know, maybe not riding a bicycle, but he's running marathons and wow. uh, you know, healed the cancer. So I thought it was really cool. So that's, um, that's just pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. What you did. What a, what an epic story. And I mean, think about other people like, they, they get like women as an example, because you're a woman that, you know, you get married, you get the house, you get the kids, you just, you kind of go through life. I mean, you're meeting all these famous people and doing all this cool stuff and traveling, experiencing all these things. I mean, it's just awesome, which kind of brings up, um, well, I really want to get one more thing. Okay. But two years later, I did have a child. Mm, cool. Okay? And now I'm nanny Jill. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Yeah, they wanted to, you wanted to get a, they told you. I never would have had my baby. I never would have had my son and they were giving me a hysterectomy and they were calling me during the week, you know, after I had those uh, two tests. Oh, you're going to die if you don't come and get, you know, check into the hospital and have the doctors operate on you. Yeah. Your attitude's awesome. So since we're talking about famous folks, why don't you tell us uh, really quick about your, um, about Bo Diddley. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so for those that don't know, I mean, most people know, but who, who is Bo Diddley and uh, how'd you meet him? Bo Diddley was the man who basically invented the rock and roll rhythm, or at least one of the most famous rock and roll rhythms. And um, when I was 13, uh, 1958, Bo Diddley was very famous and he was performing at, at the Brooklyn Paramount and I asked my dad to take me and my girlfriends to scream our heads off, uh, you know, to see Bo Diddley and he did and we did that and it was great. And Bo Diddley, of course, you know, influenced the Beatles and, and so many uh, other of the Brit British groups in particular. And then of course the other, he traveled around the world eventually. With you mentioned something about John Lennon in our conversation. Yeah, yeah. So at, at Bo's funeral, which I was, I became very, I met Bo. So the way I met Bo later in my life in 1981 was I actually was going through my Baroque phase. I had no money <laughs> and I had a five-year-old and I did a little bit of substitute teaching and then the school came, you know, it was summertime and the deacon of the church was also the custodian of the school. I like custodians. Okay. And he went ahead and said, Jill, we're going to take your trailer, your tra 17 foot tra travel trailer. We'll put it on my back 40. And of course, when people treat you well like that and give you something, you want to go to church with them. And even though I'm Jewish, doesn't matter to me. Um, I went to church with them and I'm a musician. And of course the songs that I first learned when I picked up the first guitar were all the gospel songs. And, and, and so they asked me to sing and play, play my guitar in the church and I was thrilled. Well, it seems that Bo Diddley lived in that area and word got out that there was a Jewish girl with a little boy singing in the black church. And he wanted to meet me. And so a man that had been doing some work for him, That's I had cool. met, long story short, I got to meet Bo Diddley. And Bo, Bo looked at me, he says, what are you doing living on the black folks property over there? He said, I'm gonna give you a job. <laughs> <laughs> and so he took his truck, picked up my trailer, brought it to his back 40, where there were, you know, it was a little more dangerous because in Florida, in that location, there's a lot of rattlesnakes. So, and I had a little five-year-old. So I ended up usually sleeping in the big house. He had a log mansion and I was basically the maid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and of course the backstory to that was I was brought up by a black woman who was the housekeeper in my family. And so I felt perfectly comfortable with Bo's family. He actually married a, uh, a white woman who had followed him when she was 18 uh, from Albany, Georgia. She was a debutante. She was a descendant of Jefferson Davis. <laughs> and she left all that behind and followed Bo Diddley to California. And they were married for like 24 years and had two kids. So, and I'm still friendly with one of the kids. Um, long story short, uh, Bo Diddley, uh, at the time, I was studying barefoot shiatsu, and Bo Diddley was a big guy, and he was broad, 
and he would come home from gigs, traveling here and there. And he would just walk in the house, he would drop his guitar and his clothes right on the purple carpeting. And he'd say, Jill, would you mash on me? <laughs> and I would step on his ass, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Barefoot shiatsu. And I have these really big feet. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, I, I'm a very good barefoot shiatsu therapist. I studied for 35 years with a Japanese woman um, who taught me how to use my whole body to give a whole massage. And, awesome. That's and, pretty cool. And, and it really, and you yeah. did your like first recording. You had Bo playing backup, right? Well, what happened was a couple of years later, after I'd been there for about a year and hung out a little bit in the area for a year, I stayed friendly with Bo. And then I came back to North Miami Beach when my son was ready to go to kindergarten. And I saw that there was a, you know, in those days, public access television. And I just walked into the studio one day. I said, you know, I have an idea for a show. It's called Sing Me a Song. And I have a lot of friends who are musicians and they, they write their own songs. And it would be really nice to do, you know, a series like 13 shows. And so I asked Bo if he would be on my show. And of course I had to go back up to Gainesville, which is, you know, like a six hour ride, doesn't matter. I traveled that road a lot. And I got to um, film Bo in his recording studio in his video studio. For, for, and then had it edited by the people at that public access TV station. And um, so it, you might be seeing soon uh, three minutes of original song that I wrote that he, Bo Diddley, is playing backup for me. I mean, there's nobody that, I'm sorry, there's no one in this, on this planet who has anything like that where Bo Diddley is backing them up on guitar and singing harmony. <laughs> no way, nobody, ever. Yeah, he's, he's the lead singer usually. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, that's really cool. Well, hey, we're going to take another quick break. And when we get back, I want to get into um, you being a medium and um, like what happened to us and you, uh, you know, walked <clears throat> me through this process to be able to chat with my grandfather who passed away. And we'll be back in just a moment. You want the absolute best for yourself and you want it to be easy. That's why we created Green 85. It helps with detoxifying the body gently. We're proud it's chemical-free, unlike almost all other supplements you'll find. Bottom line, Green 85 will get you healthier. We look forward to hearing what Green 85 did for you. To get this product and our other amazing products, go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. James here. I'm back with Jill Schneider, and um, she just got done playing guitar with Bo Diddley. That was pretty cool. So um, I want to talk to you about uh, you being a medium. So why don't you explain to people what it is, and um, and then um, and then how you got into it, and then I'm going to talk about my experience that I had with you, and then you can go into a little bit more detail on it and stuff like that. Well, number one, I've been a meditator for a long time. So I've gone into deep states of feeling the energy itself of my 
human life. There is this energy that is breathing me. You don't have to think about breathing, okay? That's not what is keeping you alive. There is an energy inside of you, and that energy is keeping you alive. And then when it's your time and you go, there's no more breathing, um, and the energy leaves. And the energy can never be destroyed, can never be created and destroyed. It just is. Mm -hmm. And it's light. And of course. And when, when they split an atom, they found out the smallest particle of, of existence is light. So I already knew that intellectually. I felt that in my meditations. And, you know, fast forward 40, 50 years, um, <clears throat> I just moved from Florida to North Carolina. And when I first came up to North Carolina in late December last year uh, to take a look at a condo that looked very interesting and I really wanted to move there, I needed to see it. So I saw it, I said I wanted it, dropped the papers, and then I went downtown and little tiny town called Burnsville, North Carolina. And this is an area in the Blue Ridge Mountains where, where there's a lot of healers, a lot of artists, a lot of artisans, a lot of musicians. It's, and it's Asheville, it's outside of Asheville, Northeast. So I go down to the town and I had something to eat and then I walked around and I went into a, a thrift shop and I saw there was a woman there and we started talking. And because I'm a therapist and I'm, you know, I kind of look like everyone's cousin, whatever. Um, you know, she felt really comfortable. And she just said, you know, I'm not really doing well at all. I'm really depressed. And I lost my father a year and a half ago and I, I can't get over it. And just as she said that, my hand went like this to my cheek. Now I don't go normally around hitting my cheek. And she looked at me and she said, oh my God, my father used to do that all the time. And then I felt a presence. I felt a man. And he said to me, tell her I'm fine. She has to get over what she's feeling. And that's what came out of my mouth. It, mm. it had never happened before. Now I do have a very dear friend who is a medical doctor, an intuitive and a medium. Someone who can channel the energy that's on the other side. That's how I can put it. Okay. So that was like shocking to me, but it didn't frighten me. Uh, I do protection prayers myself anyway, as a massage therapist all these years that I worked on people, I always surround myself with white light energy and, and make sure that you know I'm okay in order to be able to help others. So after that, I went back to Florida, got my condo there ready to be sold, packed everything up. A few months later, I'm, I come back up here, especially during COVID. I didn't want to lock down in South Florida. I knew I was ready to come here to my new condo. And when I came up here, it happened again. But when I was in Florida, before, after that thing with the slap, I went back to Florida and I, it happened three or four times with clients of mine that I was doing massage on. And, you know, knock, knock, somebody wanted to talk to them and it happened. 
I didn't try to do it. It just happened. It's not something I could, you know, force. If I'm not feeling it, that's the kind of person I am. I, I'll just say, hey, all right, so you and I, Tim, we had a little experience yesterday where you had told me a little bit the day before um, that you wanted to have some contact with your lost, with your relatives that had passed over. And uh, the night, so that was like two nights ago, I was thinking about you and all of a sudden I, I experienced something to do with baseball. I had no idea what, what that meant, but I just thought about it, you know, and I didn't, you don't want to think too heavily into this. You don't right. want to have your mind conjure up, you know, too much creativity. You want to keep it very, very simple. So then when we spoke on the phone, I just questioned you a little bit about, I guess, to find out who was the first person that we would try to contact. And it came out that it was your grandpa. Yeah. And originally I was, you know, I really wanted to just chat with my brother and possibly my grandpa. And it was originally, I was thinking more about my brother, but then you told me to like, you know, lay down and meditate a lot um, before um, and just focus on people, you know, that have passed away. And I was going through all of them, my grandmas, my grandpas, um, everybody, my brother, everybody that was really important to me. And then, you know, you said, Hey, there's two, uh, two men here. One's an older gentleman. One's a younger gentleman. I'm like, Oh, it's gotta be my grandpa and my brother, Troy. This is so cool. And, um, but you know, still deep down inside after all the stuff I've done, like all the stuff where I've realized that, you know, how powerful our bodies are to heal and how we're connected to spirit and my spirituality really uh, blossoming. I still have that, that little bit of a, you know, that social programming and that stuff in my mind, like, cause it always has to be seeing is believing rather than believing is seeing in a lot of cases for people here in the real world or whatever you want to call it in this human experience. So I was like thinking, I mean, I want it. I, I believe that what you're doing is true. I don't, I don't think that you you're lying one bit at all at all, but it's still like, is this really real? You know, it just like maybe 5%, 3% in my mind, but the rest of me is like completely open, ready to rock and roll. And I think that really helps me to be open to this stuff. So, um, but what confirmed it for me is when you were like, when you said, um, cause my grandpa was a real jokester. He was always, he was funny. He was always super funny. He was always playing around. Um, he only got mad at me like one time. I think I was smarting off or something to my mom and then his daughter. And then um, I maybe smarted off to him when I was like 13 or something, teenager. And he grabs me and tooks me in and puts soap in my mouth. Nobody ever done that. <laughs> and I was pissed. I was so mad. I'm like, how could you do this to me? I'm like, you're the nicest man on the planet. Other than that, him and I, I mean, we had so much fun chopping wood, golfing. We, we played baseball together, catch. And when he was a younger boy, you didn't know this, he actually was scouted by professional scouts and stuff like that. And he was going, he was supposed to get a plane ticket and go to the trials for the major leagues. And his mom said that he couldn't go. Oh my God. And, he, and he's always, he held that. He was always upset with her because she wouldn't let him go. And so when I started playing baseball, um, he was really excited about it. So when I was a little kid, played catch. And then I told you when I was 15, um, we went to the World Series and our little town of Eastern Oregon in La Grande with 11,000 population took fifth in the world for baseball that year in the World Series. And so he yeah. followed me the whole way to state, to regionals, and then to, to the World Series. And, and he was just, we played cards together. And I just fucking love that man. I mean, I love him. He was so cool. And he died of Alzheimer's. 
And um, that sucked because his body was physically strong, but he just, his mind wasn't there. So anyway, I thought I'd share that with you. But, but you, the first thing I felt was that he was funny. He kept making me laugh. I know. And then when you said this guy's really, really funny, then I knew like he was there. And I knew because like you didn't know. I mean, you just said that. And he was like super funny. He was goofing around all the time. And that's when I'm like, oh shit, this is legit. Like this is legit stuff. And then I just relaxed into it. I was crying. I felt his presence. I was super happy. It was totally worth it. And then, you know, keep going. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it just, why not? It's just energy, you know? Yeah. And, th and that's who we are. And so it, it makes even intellectual sense that if we're just energy, that it's just, you know, like a very short distance, um, you know, to be in contact with our loved ones and people that we've known that have died. I actually, I don't know how much time left we have, but when I was born, Eleanor Roosevelt would peek into my mother's room in the, in the hospital to say hello because her niece was next door. And in, in those days, women were in the hospital about 10 days for just a normal birth. And so I had this thing for Eleanor Roosevelt all my life and I read all of her books and I watched all the PBS specials and all this kind of stuff. And then later in my life, about maybe about nine years ago, eight or nine years ago, I have a client who owns the historic Eleanor Roosevelt home, townhome in New York City on East 74th Street. And she invited me to come and work with her. I do uh, nutritional programs, fasting programs, and things like that. And so while I was there, she said, well, how about if you just go and sleep in Eleanor Roosevelt's room? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is crazy <laughs> this is crazy so you know I, I think i'm a good manifester actually you know, well, no, what it is it's really simple like I, I i've had this conversation with you before but it's like it's what i learned from uh from bashar which is like when you're when you do your best to follow your highest excitement in everything that you do it doesn't have to be the big things. It could be little things, whether it's taking a walk or talking to somebody on the phone or going for a drive, whatever that is. When you're following your highest excitement, that's the map. So I, I've been, I've been using this for three years now. I've been sharing it with my clients, massive transformations in my life, massive transformations in my client's life. It's such a simple tool because the excitement is the beacon to always move towards. It's, it's the map. That's it. You, you don't need to, you want to know what to do with your life? Be excited follow your excitement. You know, that's it. And follow your joy. And again, it doesn't, the little things are all connected to the bigger things that really excite you as well. So as more as you're following your excitement, it, it, unfortunately, we're like, you got to go from point A to point B. And it, it's always like, I got to get there. And it's a struggle. And it feels like you're running through tar and you're going to wear yourself out. Whereas off to the right is something that excites you. Go do that. And then you go to the left. There's something else that excites you. You're off path. You think, but you end up picking up speed and you end up at your destination quicker. You have more fun and all the synchronicity and joy comes into your life. I mean, look at you, you're 13 years old. You're ecstatic about Bo Diddley and all of a sudden, you know, you're giving him foot massage, you're, you know, you're walking on his back and he's singing backup for you. You know, the whole thing with Eleanor Roosevelt, the, the, the super yoga instru instructor dude. I mean, all these things, they just, they just, you don't need money, time, any of that. All that stuff just comes to you when you're following your highest excitement. People will gift you things, but the right people will show up at the right place at the right time. That's how life is supposed to work. It's supposed to be an ecstatic explosion of joy and synchronicity. 
And the more you do this, this is how life works and how, and how, and how it will become that. So, and you are a perfect example. 75 years you've been on this planet, you've been doing this. And it's just, I'm like, you know, some people start doing this and, then, and they're like, I can't believe it happened. I'm like, get used to it. This is how life is supposed to be. And you're I a can't perfect. Go back. I can't go back. You can't go back. Why would you? Why would you? It's Why would I want fun. to? What's you know? Well, as you get older, you basically don't give a shit what other people think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So one day I sat my son down and I, say, I said, you know, you don't have to worry about your mother. Take me off your worry list. Absolutely never worry about me. I said, maybe when I'm 90, I might run out of money. I'm just going to sell sex toys. I'd be great at it. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So before you take off, um, I want to say two things. Number one is um, after I did that me where you were a medium and you helped me communicate with my grandpa i'm going to get you back i want to have you do that again um with my um with my brother and who knows what else who else is knocking on the door okay. and i've already recommended you to like like five people i'm like wow I'll get you in touch with her you have right. to do this like I, my sister-in-law for example for my brother that passed away i want her to have that opportunity probably my mom too that would be huge for my mom because this i mean losing a son it's got to be horrible I mean, it's just There's nothing worse. There's nothing more traumatic for a mother. Yeah. So I want to be able to give that gift uh, that you gave to me to them. Um, I'll set you up with them. And, um, you know, it's like I've already told a bunch of people about you. So um, and I hope that the people that are listening today um, will um, I'll give you her contact information a little bit after she gives you these three top deals. But, um, you know, hire her as a medium. I, I would and try it out. And, um, I know you charge a hundred dollars an hour, but for the, if you just mention health hero show, um, I don't get anything out of this, but if you just mention the health hero show, it's 70 bucks for an hour, save you 30 bucks. So that was, thank you for doing that for the people oh, no that were listening. I really problem. appreciate I'm it. Thrilled. It's and, worth, and, you know, you know it's, worth 300. it's worth $300 an hour. And I know mediums that are charging that. So yeah, I would yeah. imagine you're going to get booked and you're going to probably start charging more. So this is the deal of a lifetime. Just make sure you mention health hero show and you get 30 bucks off. So, okay. So and my I last take, I take your products. What's that? I take your products too. Yeah. You just started doing that. How are, how are those working for you? Well, I did it. I did it religiously, you know, before COVID came and mm -hmm. then COVID came and I was selling my place and I had to get out and so on and so forth. I used up the powder and, but I still have some of the other supplements left and I'm taking them now. Yeah. Yeah, we, we got such, we got flooded. We, we actually sold out of the Green 85 juice formula for about almost a month. So it's actually shipping back out again on Monday. So we have that back in stock now. So That'd be great. which is cool. All right. So um, my question, my last question is, is what are the top three things that you recommend for people dealing with cancer or any disease? What do you think they well, should do? <clears throat> I think people know when they're not well. Mm -hmm. So really the first thing you should do is be honest with yourself. And if you're not feeling well, if you're not sleeping well, if you're constipated, if you have any kind of aches and pains in your body, if you have headaches, these are all indications that there's something going on in your body. And um, you know, the thing is, is that the medical profession is trained not as a health, you know, to help you with health, They're help they help you with disease. And so be very, very careful when you get your exams um, before you go, you know, right now, today, tomorrow, start eating organic food, start taking these beautiful products from Tim.
they're incredible. And you want to build up your body. You want to have better hydration. Um, I actually use the Berkey system, um, the water filter system. And I, I'm thinking of even selling it on my website because it's such an amazing water system. I love it. Uh, so good water, good air, good fruits and vegetables. And if you want to have, you know, a little bit of animal food, that's okay. But if you really want to get healthy, you're really going to have to chuck the animal food. Um, that's all. That's my, my opinion. I don't believe that we're meat eaters, uh, I, you know, that we're carnivores. Uh, the other thing is, if you do get a diagnosis, don't tell everybody, especially people that don't know anything about health. Because then they're going to just say, do everything the doctor tells you. I never told my parents when I had this cancer. And I had forgotten. And a number of years ago, when my, my mom was alive till she was 99. And I think she was probably in her late 80s when I was talking. And I said, oh, yeah, something about when I had cancer. She said, when did you have cancer? <laughs> I said, oops. <laughs> I never told her. But anyway, um, yeah, pe other people are just, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself. Use it as a, as a really incredible reality check. Okay, I have cancer. Okay. It's time to start living. Hmm? Yeah, it's time to start living, living clean, resting, making sure you're sleeping well, making sure you're having good bowel movements, making sure that your skin is scrubbed and, you know, just moving and, and, and sweating a little bit and, and just doing all the healthy things that you know what to do. Everybody knows what's healthy. Everyone knows what's healthy. They just are addicted to the, you know, the things that are advertised. What I specialize in also is fasting. I help to take people on a fast. Um, and I do that even over the phone. I give you a program, you look at it, you clean out your kitchen, you, you, you know, maybe for about a week or so before you just go vegan and then you go, you go completely just juices and broths and teas and water and rest and sleeping and even doing enemas and colonics. You got to clean that shit out. Yeah. That's, that's pretty sick. Almost sounds like I'm listening to myself. <laughs> this is pretty cool. Well, that's why, that's why we work together very well. And, uh, you know, I've been just, you know, it, it made common sense to me and, and common sense is not so common. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of podcasts on other people's podcasts. And when we interview these new clients that come in to buy our products and stuff or sign up for coaching, we ask them like, why did you purchase? I mean, what, what got you in? It's like, well, what you were saying just made too much sense. And that was time for me to make a change. That's what it boiled down to. And it seemed like you were an honest guy and you're, I, I like the story about you and your buddy and it was amazing. And I, I can't believe that you guys did what you did. And, but that was a common theme where people just say it made too much sense. And it, it is, it's freaking common sense. So, all right. So, um, so Jill, what she, what she offers, um, just so you guys know, she does also, you didn't, we didn't talk about this, but she does personal retreats in her home. You actually fly in and you stay with her and she's going to play music for you and love on you and help you and massage and acupressure. And she can probably do some medium work and you can talk to some relatives that have passed away. It'd be really cool. And you can have it, fresh it foods. It, it talks. It, it, she she also, what's that? I said, it just happens when I'm, when I'm with someone intensely like that. Yeah. It's likely, yeah. 
it's going to happen. <laughs> and she can tell you stories and she can listen to your stories and you guys can connect and build relationship and you can heal. Uh, she'll, she'll set up an environment so you can start the healing process for yourself. Not that she does it. Healers are really people that just set up the environment and give people permission to heal themselves. That's what we do. That's so um, personal retreats in her home. She does coaching over the phone. She does uh, fasting details over the phone. And then um, you have that book coming out, Autobiography of a Revolutionary Healer. Um, that'll be out on audiobook in about 10 months, you said you're working on it? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. I have a recording studio that I just set up in my master okay. closet. Well, when I come to see you, I want to I soak my feet with you in chamomile flowers. How does that sound? No problem. I, I'm getting friendly with all of the local organic gardeners, and, you know, I can find out where to get the best ones. Yeah. And, you know, got a bath, couple of bathtubs. And uh, or we could just do it out on the porch overlooking yes. the forest. I am in the mountains. I'm at 3,500 feet. And, cool. um, and, you know, I would prefer not doing juice fasting with people up here because I want them to enjoy the walking and the hiking, yeah. uh, you know, and being, you know, so immersed in nature. And well, they could do it in the morning at least. Yeah. So if you guys want to... Walk, if you guys want to um, get some information and get some help from Jill, um, plug into her services um, and, and, and get information from somebody who's going to turn 75 and she hikes up in the mountains with trained hikers that can't even keep up with her, then how do they reach out to you? What's the best way, Jill? Um, basically, Jill Ayn, A-Y-N, Schneider.com. Okay. All right. So I'll just spell it out. It's J I L L. A Y N S C H N as in Nancy E I D E R dot com. Jill A Y N Schneider dot com. Okay. Okay. How's that? That's great. I think we got it right. So you're awesome. You're a lot of fun. Um, I, I think we could probably do a podcast for 12 hours with all of your stories. I think we're okay. very, very touching the tip of the iceberg here, right? I also got to massage Robin Williams. Oh, did you? For a whole week. He was making the birdcage back in 95. Oh, wow. I snuck into the studio with the cappuccino guy in the morning. <laughs> you were following your highest excitement. Did he make you laugh? Oh, you know what? It was, I, I was so serious, and I am a very serious therapist, and he just kept trying to make me laugh, and, make, and I was making me laugh, and finally I said, Robin? You got to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Did he? There was anybody on the planet that I could say that to and feel perfectly comfortable with. Yeah. I wanted to give him a massage. I wanted him to relax. I did, he was so on, always trying to make other people happy. Yeah. Yeah, he was following his highest excitement. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Jill, thank you so much for coming on the Health Hero Show. We really appreciate your time today. I guys, I hope you can really reach out to her and I um, and, uh, hope you get a chance to work with her. I'm so excited. I'm just afraid I got to get my friends and family in on this now before I get this thing released because I think the more the word gets out, you're going to be so booked up. It's going to be crazy because as soon as people experience anyone, anyone who's related to you, I mean, oh I, you know, I'm not going to say free because I could use a little <laughs> right. bit of money. Right. The, the COVID thing pretty much, you know, cut my retreat business down to, you know, three or four yeah. months. But the no medium stuff that you do is just so powerful and so impactful. I'm like, 
I'm, I'm, I'm literally just, as soon as we, I hit the stop button on this recording, I'm like, I want to get a time book before we can get another hour in. So I'm really excited about it. So anyway, thank you so much. And thank you listeners um, for, for tuning in. We really appreciate you. We couldn't uh, do this show without you. Um, the whole purpose for the show is for you. You know, I'm just a guy living my life and I'm meeting all these other cool people all the time. And I just wanted to start sharing my life and these, these crazy cool interactions that I've, these awesome people like Jill that I come across that have these great stories of transformation and, I mean, your story is really cool, Jill. And um, I want to thank everybody, I mean, all over the globe. And we've got listeners now coming in from like everywhere. It's crazy. We've got new listeners from Iraq and um, uh, Jerusalem and all kinds of cool places and New Zealand and Australia and Canada and UK. It's, It's just all over the place, the Caribbean. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you. And until next time, change yourself, change your world. And I will see you again real soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to The Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. (laughs) 